Wandering Journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Today we head to Brisbane's west side to meet artist and social entrepreneur Kagi Kawa. She tells us about her journey from Sudan to Forest Lake and how that journey of self-discovery continues to this day, years after she first came to Australia's shores. Thank you so much for joining us today on Streets of Your Town, Kagi. Thank you. <laughs> it's wonderful to be sitting here in the Forest Lake Shopping Centre on the uh, not the outskirts of Brisbane, sort of, and it's uh, quite the, the suburbia heartland of Brisbane. And this is uh, really your local area now, isn't it, where you live? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, it's my local home now. <laughs> and uh, what, uh, what are the things that you love about this particular hood in Brisbane? I love that it's very green. Like if you have noticed that the drive to Forest Lake is really, you know, lots of trees and it's a very clean area and not very noisy at all. And it's also in the, you know, just in the center. Like it's 20 minutes to go to anywhere or at least 30 minutes. So it's not, you know, too far away. It's just the right spot to to, to be, I think. Yeah. And here we are at this lovely coffee shop having our beautiful coffee on this very hot Brisbane day. Um, how do you find the, the weather in Brisbane? <laughs> Look, I... <laughs> There's been a lot of people whinging about it of late. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 love, I love the weather, but it's just sometimes it gets really, really hot. And you just think, oh my God, you know what, you know. <laughs> there is no relief no. for most times. No, 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 it, not at all. And the first time I came here, you know, see, coming from Africa, everybody thought like we, you know, it's, oh, it's already hard. You should be used to it. And I was like, hell no. Where I came from, the temperature does not get to 40 degrees. That's like ridiculous. And was it like a dry heat there too? Because it's quite yeah, humid. Exactly. Here it, hey, it's, yeah. it's pretty dry. So you wouldn't really feel the heat if you're not directly under the sun. So it wasn't as bad. And then when you come here, like it doesn't matter where you go. Like you go in the room, it's following you. You get out of the house, it's following you. So it's just like <laughs> there's no escape to the heat because of the humidity. So, so it sounds like in many ways it's very different to where you grew up. Can you tell us a bit about uh, the, the beautiful Nuba Mountains of Sudan where you came from? Oh, yeah, so well, I was born in the Nuba Mountains, but I left when I was pretty young. Yeah. So I have very limited um, knowledge or memory of the Nuba Mountains, but of what I know, it's it's dry and hot in half of this half of the year, and then the other half it's really green, dry and and wet, like very fertile. So my sister would say that the heat would not. It's, it's, it, I think it would probably be more like Tazi heat during summer, where that as soon as you go under the tree, then you won't feel the heat. So it's dry heat. Uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful, very rocky place. I, I've got very little memory of that because I leave. I left um, my family and I left when I was pretty young. And why did you leave? Oh, it was um, because of the civil war in Sudan at the time. Um, it displaced so many people, like thousands and thousands of people. Uh, some lost their lives and others managed to, to move out. So we left and went to Kenya at the time. Yeah, and that's where I spent most of my life, so between Kenya and Uganda. Yeah, so it must be um, hard with all these memories and uh, now in Australia to almost 
what your sense of home is? Is it something you create, I suppose, for yourself? Or do you mix all those memories together? Or? It's, it's very difficult. Mm. And for me, like, um, I always tell people, I, I don't know what home feels like. You know, it, and it's, it's just that one thing because I've always moved from one place to the other. And every time I move, it's always, you know, the battle of trying to learn the culture and, and, and feel comfortable enough and as soon as you get comfortable enough something else happens that you have to move so I don't know like I've felt like I've never stayed in a place long enough to call home I, I don't know I hope that changes in Australia I have a feeling it would because at least now I can settle here and call this home I can be a citizen and hopefully yeah how long have you been here in Australia for? oh just three years right now yeah I think well on the 24th of November is when we hit exactly, oh. exactly, so it's been, yeah. And did you have a little party or something? Or? Nah. <laughs> but, you, but you knew, it was an important yeah, thing. Yeah, it was an important yeah. thing. Well, last year we went out for dinner with my sisters, but this year we just happened to be in a very busy, at a very busy time, everybody was busy, but I was just like, yeah, just relaxing, reading, enjoying, reading a book. And have you always been in Brisbane since yeah. you came to Australia? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I lived in Ipswich uh, for six yeah. months and then moved to Brisbane. So the huge change from Africa to here, how did that adjustment go? Oh. <laughs> it's still going. It, you know, it doesn't stop, it doesn't I suppose. Stop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was huge. But for me, I've had a lot of positive you know, adjustments, a lot of um, people who've supported and made us feel welcome. That's good to hear. With, yeah, which is great. I mean, it... You know, it didn't come short of its own challenges where so many places, even now, like I always feel like I'm out of place, so I feel like this is not where I belong <laughs> sometimes. But it's, you know, it's just something that I have to work through and, and figure it out. I hope, yeah. What were some of the things that you remember from Australia that, of the welcome that was good, I suppose, to start with? Oh, well, it's a lot. For my very first feeling of welcome or home was on a train station, one of the indigenous artworks that I came across. That was, it was a feeling that I don't know, I, can't, I don't even know how to explain up to date. Uh, and it inspired me to start painting for the first time. I'd never right, painted yeah. before. And that's something that, in a way, Australia's really given you, or certainly that connection with that indigenous painting was... Now you're a painter. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I would not have thought that I would find myself, you know, in a land that is a thousand miles away from home. You know, just find my true self. Being at the train an station. Exactly. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, but it was such an amazing, like, I walked onto the train station and, you know, just looking at the colors and the patterns. And at that time, I was going through a lot. There was a lot of change happening. I was so unsure of my decision of even moving to Australia. I started thinking, maybe I made a bad decision coming here. Maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I should have just stayed there. But, um, yeah, walking into that train station just made me feel like, you know, there's a new beginning. And, and that was, for me, my new beginning of uh, a different life and a life of self-discovery honestly that I don't think I would have um, discovered elsewhere and was it a connection really with that way of storytelling too did it give you some release to be able to tell your story through painting exactly uh, and, and I come from a culture that is you know like we value storytelling and that is mostly expressed through art and you know poetry and different forms of it 
but for me I think my most yeah my major connection was with you know visual uh, art and yeah just that the, and I made it to you know I made it a an obligation to then visit a lot of um, uh, art galleries that had indigenous art just so that I could learn more like learn about the dream time and what that meant and all the stories behind it I just thought it was beautiful uh, because of a ball, it connected you to land, it connected you to culture, it connected you to people. Uh, and, and that, for me, I don't know, I think it's really priceless. And so is it still a journey that you're on, that connection with Indigenous cultures? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very well... Uh, I love it. I love it because it it reflects my... I, like, I see myself reflected in, in a lot of the Indigenous cultures because it's very similar to my culture back home and yeah I would still love to explore more and learn more about uh, the indigenous culture hopefully even maybe learn indigenous language you know one day it's a it's a big dream but I hope one day I would it's just a yeah I would love to learn more isn't it interesting that in two indigenous cultures so far apart from Africa to Australia can have those areas of overlap that you find so comforting. Absolutely, I was I was shocked. I was shocked with the similarities. You know, what, what are some of those? Uh, it's it's amazing because mm. we in the Nuba Mountains we have warriors and and we have cultures on, on you know like wrestling and dancing and stuff like that. And a big part of the culture is body paint and body art. And I never thought that I would come and find the very exact similar culture in, in Australia. You know, it was just like, oh my God. You know, it's just amazingly similar in all sorts of ways. And, and the way of life, the way of, you know, um, staying connected to the land and protecting land and, and the patterns used in the artwork, the colors, they're very similar. It's incredible, the dots and everything. It's just, it's mind-blowing to... Um, just look at see the similarities and the values placed in the culture as well it's very similar it's all you know it's very communal very people centered it's all about looking after your neighbor looking after and welcoming people and you know being hospitable and welcoming I just think it's yeah it's incredible I know we've spoken uh, about some of the beautiful welcoming traditions from Sudan can you tell us a bit about those and that those that you still in a way, they kind of clash with Australian culture, but it took you a while to yeah. kind of adjust. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's one of those things that you. I was brought up with, so for uh, coming up, growing up uh, in Sudan, well, in Kenya, you know, in a Sudanese family, it was we still really practiced a lot of culture, and my mum was very particular and very strong on that. And for us, it was about hospi- hospitality. So it was absolutely important for my mother that any visitor who came, whether you knew them or not, that they were treated with absolute respect. They were treated... You give, you gave them the best that you had at home. Like Even if it meant that nobody else had the same amount at home, even if it means that it was the last plate of food that you had and a visitor came, you had to give it up for the, for the visitor and make sure that they've had the best experience that they can. And, uh, you know, so many times we've, we've had uh, family members or even just friends or people we'd know and she would give up her bedroom because it was the master bedroom it was the best it had the best bed then she would give it up and 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 let them sleep in her bedroom you know just to you know just to make sure that they've had the best experience that they could have and it's 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 one of the things like when here in australia it's a bit it's a little bit different in that especially with hospitality in that when you go to someone's house 
uh, you know, <laughs> we, we, you're, you're, oh, when you have visitors, you're expected to ask, would you like to have, you know, what would you like to have? Oh my God, my mom would slap us. <laughs> she would hear us say that. So in your culture, you, you offer it. No, you, you yeah. offer it. You know, you bring water, you bring juice, you bring tea, you bring biscuits, you place it there, and they get to choose what they, you know, what they, what they want to have. It's very disrespectful to ask someone. Isn't that what would you like? I know. You must have taken a lot of um, readjustment. How does your mom find it now? Does she got used to it as well? No, well, my mom didn't come here for so she's still in Kenya. But yeah, yeah for her, I, I, I think it would be a shock when we go back one day and visit and have visitors and then ask them what would you like to have for drink you know because it's something that we now have to get used to because you can't just bring anything to anybody some people don't drink sugar or some of them don't drink tea so you can't assume that they would (laughs) so it's very it's very different cultures but yeah it's, it's just amazing how yeah, cultures can be very, very different. It's almost like you've created your own, a bit of a blend of yeah, somehow. Yeah, we I've had to, I've had to create a blend. Yeah, <laughs> and it must be hard having mum away as well. And do you, are you able to keep in contact with Skype and things? I suppose now, yeah. but it must oh, be hard. Yeah, it is hard not having her around. But I sort of got used to it, like because I didn't really grow up with her either. So for me, um, yeah, we still do keep in touch a lot. Like I speak to her a lot on Messenger because yes. that's that's all she can use. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and sometimes she'd have to get my brothers to fix her phone, and we'd go for weeks if, if she does if she can't put credit on or anything. Yeah. So we just have to wait until someone helps her out. Uh, but yeah, it's just been yes, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit harder, but that. I think it's an experience I've had from a young age and not just now. Like I, I can't remember really living with my mum uh, for a long time, extended period of time. So yeah, it's just been like that pretty much all my life, I guess. Uh, so tell us a bit about your painting and where people might be able to see some of your paintings because you've had exhibitions, haven't you? Yeah, I have yeah. had exhibitions. Um, I must, I do have a website right now. It's still okay. under construction though. It's called, yep. So I, I started a social enterprise called Nubia. Lovely. And what, what I do with that is use art as an instrument to creating social change. And, and, and I do that through art workshops where, you know, you sit down with people from all walks of life and paint uh, something and, and, you know, learn about the stories and the cultures in that different, you know, from that um, place. And, yeah, so I've got a website called, you know, nubiadesigns.com.au, so if you go there or even on Facebook, you could find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. Yeah, Yeah, just Nubia. And so your design's featured on there as well? Yes, yes, I've got a lot of, uh, yeah, some of my paintings there, as well as uh, when I have events or exhibitions, and I usually yeah. post it on my social media platforms to, yeah, just engage with people and let them know what's happening. How would you describe your style? It's hard in an audio uh, kind of format, <laughs> is that we can't really show people. I might be able to put a couple of photos up, but <laughs> how would you describe your artistic style? Has it changed or...? It has. Mm. Well, the, the, the most interesting thing is that I started out painting landscape. And it was like, my first painting was a Canadian landscape. And I thought, 
you know, it's amazing because I, as it, again, as I said, I taught myself how to paint. It was like a self-taught. So I just, you know, saw a video on YouTube and I'm like, oh, okay, let me follow with this. And that's how I learned, you know, how to paint. And then I felt, you know, this is, is not really representative of myself. So how do I get to tell my story? And that's what my art has transformed into. It's about, you know, it's transitioned from a more African-themed uh, painting with a lot of the warm colors that... Um, you know, reflect on the landscape and the cultures and, you know, just everything around that. So it's just more transition into that. It's more, um, yeah, I don't know how you explain that. Have you got anything coming up that people could look out for? Or? I have. Well, I'm working on this exhibition. It's an exhibition as well as a, a campaign on uh, body art and, and, and culture and and you know, conscious biasness and stuff like that. So how body art can be used as an instrument to communicate, you know, just embodying your own personal experience as a human being. So that's something that I'm working on. So hopefully, uh, yeah, it comes through together. And when do you hope that that might be together? We'll keep an eye out, huh? Yeah, so... Maybe next year? Next year, for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely next Watch year. Watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, on top of all this, of course, you are studying as well. So, yes. you? Uh, I am a student at UQ. I do um, studying social science. So that's kind of uh, social work, kind of, is it? Or what sort of aspect? Yeah, so it's more um, development yeah. and, yeah, more social work, but on a, on a, on a scientific level, if you say, you know, like it's just um, looking at society, some of the problems or some of, you know, some societal issues and how to solve them and just the inequality or, you know, just the diversity of, of cultures and, and, and the world that we live in right now, especially the fact that we're increasingly globalized, so how do we make sure that we, uh, you know, are able to engage with, the, you know, a wider range of different cultures and different people, but also make sure that that does not then affect our own way of life or our, you know, like the human human society and existence and just everything around that. So that's the kind of work you'd like to go into and even further developing Nubia absolutely, designs? And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm very passionate about uh, social change, I'm very passionate about intercultural understanding and, and, and knowledge because I believe it, it creates bridges. You know, when you understand people's culture, then you're able to see their point of view, you're able to interact with them in a way that is, you know, is humane and is dignifying, that then, you know, just uh, high, uh takes away issues of racism or you know discrimination and stuff like that so it's just it's just knowledge because as human beings we are afraid of what we don't know so i'm thinking if we create more platforms where people actually know what you know what what is different and they can appreciate what is different from theirs without that having to affect their own culture or self-identity and then we can coexist in a peaceful world through knowledge yeah. Particularly at the moment, I mean, we, I suppose we have to mention it, but there's so much debate about Sudanese immigrants, and particularly, I suppose, more in Melbourne. But in Brisbane, yeah. you find this issue too, and is, is art a good way to, to overcome some of those that, that ingrained biases that people have? Yeah, absolutely. It's one way for sure. Because, you know, um, people are, I find, very, can be very defensive when you 
bring up a topic that is not um, you know something familiar so for me my way of looking at it is how about we come up with a creative way that is more engaging that is not very confrontational that allows people to engage in a way that they are most comfortable with you know you don't have to really confront or have discussions not everybody is much of a talker but then you know just engaging people in a different platform or a different stream where it's just art you know we've, we've all got an appreciation for art it's a whole language on its own then that's just one way of uh, possibly creating that understanding and, and, and bringing uh, you know just bri- bridging that gap in, in Australia because I you know Sudanese are going to be part of Australia they are already right now there's no way we you know we don't want as a Sudanese person I you know I don't want to be in a society that continuously does not understand who I am and continuously just works on stereotypes that they think of who I am so I've decided I want to do something I want them to see to, I want to create a platform for people to see who I am to learn my story and from there then we can understand because we also as Sudanese we've had to learn more about Australian culture we've had to you know understand where this country has come from so I think it's just fair that we also create the platform for other people to understand our culture and who we are and maybe you know that would um, hopefully create a peaceful society I'd like to bring my little freckly redhead I think along to my little boy along to one of your art workshops that sounds fantastic well thank you so much for telling us your story today I really appreciate it Kagi look I could not be happier that I, you know, came to Australia, you know, it, despite all the challenges that we face. I mean, that would have happened anywhere I would have picked to go. It doesn't matter if it was in the US or Canada or whatever. These challenges are always going to be there. They're normal. They're just, you know, a, a process that every person has to go through. But, yeah, well, the one thing I really love about uh, my journey and, and settling here is that I've, I've met absolutely incredible people who've changed my life in very many ways and that I could not have asked for a different experience, you know, or a different place to call home, you know. And I just, yeah, I'm really grateful to be being here and would want to contribute as much as I can to the public of Australia and making it a better place, not just for me, but for everybody who lives here. Thank you so much for joining us on Streets of Your Town, Kagi. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was Kagi Kawa speaking to us from Forest Lake in Brisbane. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. Stay up to date with the latest episode of Streets of Your Town by subscribing on your podcast app on iTunes or SoundCloud. See you next time.